This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Heretics by G. K. Chesterton. Chapter 13 Celts and Celtophiles. Science in the modern world has many uses. Its chief use, however, is to provide long words to cover the errors of the rich. The word kleptomania is a vulgar example of what I mean. It is on a par with that strange theory, always advanced when a wealthy or prominent person is in the dock, that exposure is more of a punishment for the rich man than for the poor. Of course, the very reverse is the truth. Exposure is more of a punishment for the poor than for the rich. The richer a man is, the easier it is for him to be a tramp. The richer a man is, the easier it is for him to be popular and generally respected in the cannibal islands. But the poorer a man is, the more likely it is that he will have to use his past life whenever he wants to get a bed for the night. Honor is a luxury for aristocrats, but it is a necessity for the hall porters. This is a secondary matter, but it is an example of the general proposition I offer. The proposition that an enormous amount of modern ingenuity is expended on finding defenses for the indefensible conduct of the powerful. As I have said above, these defenses generally exhibit themselves most emphatically in the form of appeals to physical science. And of all the forms in which science or pseudoscience has come to the rescue of the rich and stupid, there is none so singular as the singular invention of the theory of the races. When a wealthy nation like the English discovers the perfectly patent fact that it is making a ludicrous mess of the government of a poorer nation like the Irish, it pauses for a moment in consternation, and then begins to talk about Celts and Teutons. As far as I can understand the theory, the Irish are Celts, and the English are Teutons. Of course, the Irish are not Celts, any more than the English are Teutons. I have not followed the ethnological discussion with much energy, but the last scientific conclusion which I read inclined on the whole to the summary that the English were mainly Celtic and the Irish mainly Teutonic. But no man alive, with even the glimmering of a real scientific sense, would ever dream of applying the terms Celtic or Teutonic to either of them in any positive or useful sense. That sort of thing must be left to people who talk about the Anglo-Saxon race and extend the expression to America. How much of the blood of the Angles and Saxons, whoever they were, there remains in our mixed British, Roman, German, Dane, Norman, and Picard stock is a matter only interesting to wild antiquaries. And how much of that diluted blood can possibly remain in that roaring whirlpool of America into which a cataract of Swedes, Jews, Germans, Irishmen, and Italians is perpetually pouring, is a matter only interesting to lunatics. It would have been wiser for the English governing classes to have called upon some other god. All other gods, however weak and warring, at least boast of being constant. But science boasts of being in a flux forever, boasts of being unstable as water. 
and england and the english governing classes never did call on this absurd deity of race until it seemed for an instant that they had no other god to call on all the most genuine englishmen in history would have yawned or laughed in your face if you had begun to talk about anglo-saxons if you had attempted to substitute the ideal of race for the ideal of nationality i really do not like to think what they would have said i certainly should not like to have been the officer of nelson who suddenly discovered his french blood on the eve of trafalgar i should not like to have been the norfolk or suffolk gentleman who had to expound to admiral blake by what demonstrable ties of genealogy he was irrevocably bound to the dutch the truth of the whole matter is very simple nationality exists and has nothing in the world to do with race nationality is a thing like a church or a secret society it is a product of the human soul and will it is a spiritual product and there are men in the modern world who would think anything and do anything rather than admit that anything could be a spiritual product a nation however as it confronts the modern world is a purely spiritual product sometimes it has been born in independence like scotland sometimes it has been born in dependence in subjugation like ireland sometimes it is a large thing cohering out of many small things like italy sometimes it is a small thing breaking away from larger things like poland but in each and every case its quality is purely spiritual or if you will purely psychological it is a moment when five men become a sixth man everyone knows it who has ever founded a club it is a moment when five places become one place everyone must know it who has ever had to repel an invasion mr timothy healy the most serious intellect in the present house of commons summed up nationality to perfection when he simply called it something for which people will die as he excellently said in reply to lord hugh cecil no one not even the noble lord would die for the meridian of greenwich and that is the great tribute to its purely psychological character it is idle to ask why greenwich should not cohere in this spiritual manner while athens or sparta did it is like asking why a man falls in love with one woman and not with another now of this great spiritual coherence independence of external circumstances or of race or of any obvious physical thing ireland is the most remarkable example rome conquered nations but ireland has conquered races the norman has gone there and become irish the scotchman has gone there and become irish the spaniard has gone there and become irish even the bitter soldier of cromwell has gone there and become irish ireland which did not exist even politically has been stronger than all the races that existed scientifically the purest germanic blood the purest norman blood the purest blood of the passionate scotch patriot has not been so attractive as a nation without a flag ireland unrecognized and oppressed has easily absorbed races as such trifles are easily absorbed she has easily disposed of physical science as such superstitions are easily disposed of nationality in its weakness 
has been stronger than ethnology in its strength. Five triumphant races have been absorbed, have been defeated, by a defeated nationality. This being the true and strange glory of Ireland, it is impossible to hear without impatience of the attempt so constantly made among her modern sympathizers to talk about Celts and Celtism. Who were the Celts? I defy anybody to say. Who are the Irish? I defy anyone to be indifferent or to pretend not to know. Mr. W. B. Yeats, the great Irish genius who has appeared in our time, shows his own admirable penetration in discarding altogether the argument from a Celtic race. But he does not wholly escape, and his followers hardly ever escape, the general objection to the Celtic argument. The tendency of that argument is to represent the Irish or the Celts as a strange and separate race, as a tribe of eccentrics in the modern world, immersed in dim legends and fruitless dreams. Its tendency is to exhibit the Irish as odd, because they see the fairies. Its trend is to make the Irish seem weird and wild, because they sing old songs and join in strange dances. But this is quite an error. Indeed, it is the opposite of the truth. It is the English who are odd, because they do not see the fairies. It is the inhabitants of Kensington who are weird and wild, because they do not sing old songs and join in strange dances. In all this, the Irish are not in the least strange and separate, are not in the least Celtic, as the word is commonly and popularly used. In all this, the Irish are simply an ordinary, sensible nation living the life of any other ordinary and sensible nation which has not been either sodden with smoke or oppressed by money-lenders or otherwise corrupted with wealth and science. There is nothing Celtic about having legends. It is merely human. The Germans, who are, I suppose, Teutonic, have hundreds of legends. Whenever it happens that the Germans are human, there is nothing Celtic about loving poetry. The English love poetry more, perhaps, than any other people, before they came under the shadow of the chimney-pot and the shadow of the chimney-pot hat. It is not Ireland which is mad and mystic, it is Manchester which is mad and mystic, which is incredible, which is a wild exception among human things. Ireland has no need to play the silly game of the science of races. Ireland has no need to pretend to be a tribe of visionaries apart. In the matter of visions, Ireland is more than a nation. It is a model nation. End of chapter 13